0: my way over here I was thinking about what I was going to say and uh, I've realised I've said the phrase, well it's been quite a week hasn't it, quite a lot in the last 18 months and um, it kind of feels like uh, an empire is falling uh, with the way that COVID has changed the world and with the way that the the terrible death of George Floyd is changing the world and a lot of people uh, Uh, I know are very worried and they're very um, confused as to why I'm so calm. And I'm kind of hoping that your, your friends are asking you the same things because I find that uh, knowing that God is in control and knowing that God is well aware of these kingdoms and doesn't care about these kingdoms in the sense that they're not in charge, he's in charge, and they live and die by his word. And that has been an enormous comfort to me over the last couple of months. Um, But also seeing what's going on in the US particularly, how this time, just maybe, uh, the oppressed um, populations of that country, it's not just black people, but so many people in that country are brutalised by police uh, who are supposed to protect them. And that's something that, again, we we don't fear, that we know that Jesus is here to protect us and to save us. And that whatever happens to us by human hands, we are safe. And so I just, I just I don't know why I wanted to say that, but that's what mm. I wanted to say. And I hope that's of comfort to you. Um, and I know that uh, I've thought a lot of terrible things about various people over the last, uh, last few weeks in particular. And, you know, that too is, is a problem and, and it's a sin. And <laughs> I think I said at the start of all this, we're going to find whole new ways to sin now that we're all locked up with each other. Uh, inside our homes uh, during COVID-19 and as much, probably more than ever, which is a phrase we hear a lot at the moment too, uh, we need to confess our sins to God. So let's do that together. Although we are the people of God, the saints who walk in light, Scripture reminds us that we still sin. We need to confess our failures, knowing that Jesus died for us and intercedes for us with the Father. We know that we can call God our Father and we know that we can pray to him with confidence. Thank you for adopting us as your children and making us heirs of eternal life. In your mercy, you have washed us from our sins and made us clean in your sight. Yet we still fail to love you wholly and we fail to serve you as we should. Forgive us our sins and renew us by your grace that we may continue to grow as members of Christ in whom alone is our salvation. Amen.
1: Hi guys, how are you going? Good to see you again. Um, so yeah, I just, uh, before I begin prayer this week, I just wanted to talk a little bit about a book that, um, that I've been given since I met with you last um, and it's called A Praying Life and I was pretty delighted to get it actually because sometimes yeah, um, I can be a bit overwhelmed um, praying. I can be lots of things. I go through different stages and um, yeah, just sometimes it's easy to get a bit stuck and uh, it was, I've only just started reading it, but it just reminded me um, about the importance of being real. And I was thinking that's actually one of the reasons why I really enjoy coming to Soul Revival, because uh, there's something about it that's real, that whole idea that it's not anything that we've done. It's what uh, Jesus has done for us. And just that whole idea of being redeemed um, by grace is just such a beautiful thing. So I guess um, I'm hoping that will influence um my prayers tonight that are just about being real. So I hope that you will join with me now in a time of prayer. God, uh, for those who we share life with, who have the courage to share about their struggles and make it easier for others to be honest as well, um, thank you for that. Um, I know there's always temptation um, as we can meet together to be fake and delude ourselves, Uh, thinking that we can impress you or others with what we bring or what we have or what we do. Um, But what you really want from us is to be honest with ourselves, regardless with what is going on. I had the humbling experience this week, God, of having to put my own hand up and say uh, to one of the ministers that I'm actually doing it a bit tough at the moment, just keeping up with Bible study and everything going on in the world. Um, It's been going on for a while, but I put it off because of my own pride. And yet I was so encouraged to be reminded that I'm not the only one um, and I forget about the power of spiritual warfare uh, that makes us think that we're not good enough and we're not doing enough and we're not making a difference anyway, so why do we bother? And I was reminded about the first thing that you taught us about prayer and that was to say, our Father in heaven. I'm humbled, Lord, thinking about you as a parent, our Father And I thank you so much for being such an awesome father. You've given us freedom and recommendations on how to use that freedom wisely. You are merciful, kind, loving and patient and you don't keep a record of our wrongs. I realise parenting is a tough job and we don't make it easier for you to love us but regardless of what we do you are there time and time again. You listen to us And that is amazing. You who created the heavens and the earth, listen to us. The benchmark that you've set for us on how to love is the best. But help us to appreciate the cost of that love for us was your son dying on a cross. The significance of tearing that curtain in half on the day that Jesus died so that we can come directly to you. Thank you for surrounding us with people that know who you are and love your word. Thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit constantly in people's lives, refining, refocusing, and renewing in creative ways how we live and love. Lord, I get distracted sometimes Zooming in for church and checking out people's comments and stuff. And it's not just with Zoom, Lord. There's so many reasons why it's easy to get distracted from thinking about you, bringing things before you, spending time with you to grow in our relationship. And it's so easy to take for granted that you are in our midst, But I thank you for the chance to come back together as a community of people for that time each week who believe in you and bring us back into alignment, pointing our eyes back to the cross. Thank you so much for the deep, deep love that you have for us and the way you direct our paths and provide for our needs. And Lord, as I finish off, I just want to pray in particular for a few people um, in our church. And I think one of the best parts of doing church together is that we can learn from others who are going through similar experiences, whether it is joy or sorrow. Um, and I'm always conscious of those that are doing it tough. Um, but there's a few people in particular that I want to pray for this week. Um, firstly, there is... Um, yeah, I just saw the kids, Lord, who are adjusting to going back to school and the families, Lord, who are getting back into routines. I just ask that you will... Bless them with calm and bless them with sleep and um, patience and kindness, Lord, just to get things functioning again as we make this adjustment. I also think of, uh, Lord, the people that I have um, been praying for constantly, and if this resonates with people, I hope that you can say Amen at the end. Um, Lord, those prayers that haven't been answered that I've been praying for for decades. Um, Lord there's so many people out there who, um, who do it tough because they are lonely and you are the one that said that it's not good for us to be alone and that's why you've given us um, mates and I thank you so much for that gift of marriage and I know that you are teaching us things when you don't answer the prayers the way we want but I just ask that you will help us to continue to understand your greatness that you are the one who gives and you are the one who takes away um, and our job is to continue on even at times when we don't have the evidence Um, So I thank you, Lord, for those who persevere um, in our community and I thank you for their great faith. Um, And, yeah, knowing this life is but a drop in the ocean and we get to spend eternity with you. So keep us focused on what is important. And in the meantime, Lord, help us to love those who are on the peripherals and don't automatically slide in and fit smoothly into community, even though we want to be all ages and stages. And Lord, the other people that I just want to pray before I finish is for a particular family stuck in a terrible situation. Lord, you give us children to love, but seriously, sometimes it can be so hard. Life doesn't turn out as we want, and in fact, sometimes it becomes our worst nightmare. So I bring before you, Lord, those that we love who are mute with pain, unable to call out to you, and we call out on their behalf, Lord. And as we love and journey with them in suffering, that you will intervene in a way that could be a miracle and we will cope with that well. But if that is not allowed, Lord, I ask that you will give this family the same spirit that you gave David after he had to get up after the loss of a child to keep going. And I ask for that same strength to be poured into this family for this little one, Lord, if you choose to take them home. I thank you so much for Soli's crowd that you raise up here to work hard for you in whatever capacity that is. Help us to keep focused on the goal, to run the race before us and never get tired of doing good. And I thank you for the way you shine your face upon us, Lord. That is so cool. I'm just going to finish with a poem by Margaret Lawton. She was a minister's wife of Bill for many decades. God, we need a faith that is able to face the suffering and the terrifying brutality of our world. We need a faith that is able to face the fear that won't let a person see past the color of another person's skin. We need a faith that is able to face the horror of hunger in a world that has enough for everyone. We need a faith that won't avoid the reality of death squads and the chilling terror of torture. We need a faith that won't avoid the hardened greed that sells millions of children into slavery or prostitution. We need a faith that refuses the way of cynicism and the despair of resignation and sees love and good in the world. We need a faith that is red with hope, that leads to change and welcomes freedom. God take us again to the cross. Amen.
2: So uh, today's reading is from Daniel chapter 12 and we're starting reading from verse 1. At that time... Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress, such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness, like the stars for ever and ever. But you, Daniel, roll up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there to increase knowledge. Then I, Daniel, looked and there before me stood two others one on this bank of the river and one on the opposite bank one of them said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river how long will it be before these astonishing things are fulfilled the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river lifted his right hand and his left hand toward heaven And I heard him swear by him who lives forever saying, it will be for a time, times and half a time. When the power of the holy people has been finally broken, all these things will be completed. I heard, but I did not understand. So I asked my Lord, what will the outcome of all this be? He replied, Go your way, Daniel, because the words are rolled up and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified, made spotless and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. From the time that the daily sacrifice is abolished and the abomination that causes desolation is set up, There will be 1,290 days. Blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end of the 1,335 days. As for you, go your way till the end. You will rest and then at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance.
3: I'd like to add my welcome to you uh, this weekend as we finish our series in Daniel 12. It's been a real roller coaster of a series with lots of huge uh, topics and lots of really interesting stories. Uh, It's been really fast paced, but then it can also be really confusing too with a mix of stories about some heroes of the faith and also the visions that God gave them about the future. Um, The question I've got as we finish the series, as we come to chapter 10 and 12, is so what, so what difference does Daniel make to my life? I mean, obviously Daniel is living through some quite uh, amazing historical times. I mean, he, he, if you, let's go back to the beginning, let's think about what's happened to Daniel and his friends. Basically they've grown up in Jerusalem, they've grown up with uh, uh, you know, the, the known world that they had known, and then all of a sudden their country gets invaded by a foreign occupier, the Babylonians, and they get, the Babylonians come and not only do they conquer Jerusalem, but they actually take Daniel and his friends to the capital city of Babylon, and they um, institute uh, Daniel and his friends into the court to basically reprogram them and train them to think like Babylonians. And so from the very beginning, there's this extreme situation. And I think, to be honest, as I've read that book over the years, I've loved the stories of Daniel in the lion's den, I've loved the stories of um, the fiery furnace. But sometimes beyond that, I'm sort of thinking, well, what, what has this really got to do with me? Now, as we've gone through the series, we've seen lots of really exciting things that are really relevant. But I think generally people tend to feel that the first half of the book is a little bit more accessible than the second half of the book. So chapters one to six are the places we find those great stories like the fiery furnace and Daniel in the lion's den. So if you uh, have your Bibles open and you want to just flick with me back to... The early chapters go back to chapter one and just have a look over that and see how that does describe how Daniel and his friends were brought into the king's court, Nebuchadnezzar, and they're actually going to be trained to be Babylonians. But from the get go, the thing that's really relevant for us that I think we find really relevant in the first half of the book is Daniel is not only under a great duress because he's come from his city in Jerusalem to this new place in Babylon, but he's also faced with this difficult dilemma. Because in this new place, if he is going to succeed, he has to. Make a decision as to whether he's going to remain faithful to the Torah or is he going to, oh, I don't know, compromise a little bit and make himself a little bit more Babylonian? Well, the exciting thing if you look in chapter one is from the very get go, Daniel makes a decision. No, I'm actually going to be faithful to God and his word through the Torah, and I'm actually going to take God at his word when he said, There are some things that I want you to eat, Daniel, and some things that I don't want you to eat. So when the king Nebuchadnezzar plasters all this amazing banquet in front of Daniel and his friends, Daniel chooses just to eat vegetables and instead of drinking all the fine wines that the king has given them, he chooses just to drink water. Now, From the very beginning, chapter one, that causes conflict because obviously the court doesn't want him to be different. They want him to be the same as everybody else, but Daniel makes a really wise pronouncement. He says, I'll tell you what, I'll eat the vegetables and drink the water and if I'm actually as healthy as the other guys that are eating all the other food, then what's it to you? That's pretty wise. So as it plays out, that's exactly what happens. They allow him to eat the vegetables and the, drink the water. And at the end of it, he's actually more healthy than everybody else. So they allow him. It's a really lovely story about um, how faithfulness to God and not compromising faith can actually lead to some really beautiful unexpected situations. However, that doesn't mean that uh, Daniel and his friends are gonna escape persecution. Cause as we know in the book, there's the story of uh, the fiery furnace, where Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego get thrown into the furnace because they won't bow down to the image of the king, a big statue that the king's put up. And then also Daniel in the lion's den, you see there in uh, that story that Daniel is uh, again faced with this problem the dilemma he had in chapter one. He's actually asked not to pray to God and instead of obeying the king, he actually prays in public in his window so everyone can see. The result of that is he gets thrown into a lion's den and just as God saved Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego from the flaming furnace so God saves Daniel from the lion's den. So there's this wonderful story um, of God saving them even though they should be dead. Each situation is really like walking into a fiery furnace is like walking into your own grave. In fact the people who threw uh, the guys into the fiery furnace actually perished from the heat as they threw these guys in. But as the king strained to see what had happened and he looked through the flames, he could see Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego walking around with a fourth person. There was an angel in there with them and God had sent that angel to preserve their life. So it's a sort of a story of resurrection. We have these two stories of resurrection within the first six chapters that actually are quite relevant to all generations, aren't they? That ultimately God actually can defeat death and he actually can deliver us from the flames and he can deliver us from the lion's den. Now those kind of practical stories are really helpful to us in our Christian walk and it's no uh, wonder that the Fiery Furnace and the Lion's Den are two Sunday school classics. We always teach our kids those stories but we don't tend to teach our kids the stories that come after that do we as much. In the second half of the book from chapter 7 on we get a whole heap of dreams and when you get the first dream you kind of get it you think "Oh, okay that dream is helpful but it just seems to be very repetitive in the second half of the book and some people kind of start losing interest I don't really see the relevance so my question here today is well what's the relevance of the whole book when there's all these crazy dreams well to answer that question I do want to go back to chapter one to six because in chapter two there is a dream there too quite a famous dream of Daniel who uh Um, is able to interpret the dream dream of King Nebuchadnezzar when Nebuchadnezzar has the dream of a great statue that's made out of four different types of metals. Um, His dream is that the statue is standing there and then a rock comes from heaven and it crashes into the feet of the statue, the statue falls over and then the rock turns into a great mountain. In chapter 2 we're seeing that um, not only are we going to experience how God can save uh, Daniel and his friends from great persecution but also we see that God is ultimately going to end suffering and persecution once and for all and what we see in chapter 2 is that Babylon is like the head of that statue a great empire that is arrogant and prideful and full of oppression and injustice but as strong as Babylon was that dream shows Nebuchadnezzar that one day his empire will fall and it will be followed by three more empires and each of those empires will be just like Babylon they'll be arrogant and proud but they will also come and go and so the rock that destroys the statue is a symbol of the fact that at the right time at the end times God will destroy all evil and oppression now the dreams that happen in chapter 7 through to chapter 10 are continuing to unpack that theme in different ways and in fact in chapter 7 you see Daniel actually having a dream of beasts. But again, it's the four beasts that represent the four metals. You see this kind of synergy between chapter seven and chapter two, just as King Nebuchadnezzar had this dream of a statue made of four metals, So Daniel sees four beasts. And in his dream, each of the beasts are terrifying. Um, you know, they're symbolized by, um, you know, really powerful animals like wild beasts, like a lion, a bear, uh, a winged leopard. And then there's this super beast that comes at the end of the story. Now, this super beast is really, really terrifying because the super beast comes along and it seems to be even more debased and more um, oppressive than all the other kingdoms that have come after it. And in chapter 7, Daniel is really concerned. In chapter 8, we see that um, these, uh, these beasts are again described, but this time there's a different explanation there's goats being described here and horns coming out of the goats and all this really strange stuff and to be honest this this is the point where even in this sermon you might be starting to switch off what relevance does this have to me again that's the question i've got for us today what is the relevance well in chapter nine i want to encourage you that if you're feeling a bit confused by all these stories of coming and goings of kingdoms it seems a bit irrelevant to your day-to-day story well daniel is really disturbed by these visions in chapter nine so it can be confusing. All these dreams, you know, sometimes it's beasts, sometimes it's statues, sometimes it's goats with horns. What are we to make of that? And again, the question is, what, what difference does that make to me? What is the relevance? Well, if you get confused by the dreams, the good news is in chapter nine, so does Daniel, he's confused and he's terrified. And he gives us a really good pattern for ourselves that when we get confused, we can do what Daniel does here Uh, because what Daniel does when he gets confused is he goes back to the scriptures and he tries to work out what's going on. He tries to interpret God's Word by looking at God's Word because you see God's Word, the Bible, uh, is written over many thousands of years by many authors but God is the author, the Holy Spirit has inspired the Word of God. And so you can actually understand the Bible uh, in its context as you're reading it and actually look for uh, ways of understanding what's going on. So what happens here in chapter 9 is Daniel goes to Jeremiah twenty-five, and he looks at Jeremiah twenty-five, and he's trying to work out what's going on. When are all these kingdoms going to come and go? And particularly for him, the big issue is when is the exile of the the people of Israel going to end? The the Jewish people. When are they going to get to go home? Uh, when is God going to bring Babylon to an end? Because when Babylon comes to an end, and the kingdom that comes after it is. The one is going to end Babylon. The uh, Persians are going to come and destroy Babylon and Cyrus is going to overthrow the Babylonian kingdom. He's going to be one of those metals in the statue or one of the beasts in the dream, one of the, the, the animals in the with the horns. What you're going to see there is that Daniel's like really wondering to, about when is this all going to end. And so he goes to Jeremiah to see if he can find out anything there because in Jeremiah 25 Jeremiah has a prophecy that it'll last 70 years. But in chapter nine, what we know happened as we went through our series was that um, when when Daniel said, well, 70 years is nearly up. I came to Babylon as a young man. Now I'm an old man. Does that mean we're gonna get to go home soon? Uh, The angel comes to uh, Daniel in chapter nine and says, no, actually the sin of the people of Israel has not uh, ceased. And so it's gonna be seven times, seven times more. There's gonna be another 400 years before you get to go home. So Daniel is very disturbed and upset about that and still wanting to know more about obviously when all this is going to take place. And that brings us to chapter 10 to 12. Now in 10 to 12, what we see is that the relevance for us is that you can see clearer as the book goes on, even if it wasn't really obvious at the beginning in chapter 2 or by Daniel's dream in chapter 7. As chapter 8 goes forward and 9 and now 10, 11 and 12, you're actually getting this amazing insight into the fact that Daniel has been given by God a clear vision of things that actually took place. Now Daniel is saying is seeing in the dream that you know these kingdoms are going to follow and there's this idea that um, there's a goat with horns with many horns and there's one boastful horn in the middle of that horn for example with that uh, vision that Sarah beautifully painted for us a couple of weeks ago if you were tuning in for that. Um, Basically what's going to happen is that in chapter 12 particularly we're going to actually see that the end times are going to come and we're going to see what those end times are going to be like. Um, I actually find these uh, chapters really relevant for me personally because even though I didn't live through all the circumstances of history that Daniel lived through the thing that amazes me is that the prophecies came true that Babylon did fall. Persia and the Medes did come along, the Greeks did come after that, and the Greeks had power over that entire area because of Alexander the Great. Now, when Alexander the Great was in his early 30s and he died very, very young, all his generals quickly spread out across Alexander the Great's empire and basically became little kings after the great king Alexander the Great. The big question is, so, so what's the relevance? Well, the relevance is going to become really clear as we get to chapter 12, as we do now, because in chapter 12, uh, what's going to happen now is that Daniel is going to get some really clear idea of the end times. Uh, remember from his perspective, he's waiting to see this uh, super beast that's going to come, this one that's more boastful and more proud and more oppressive than all the other beasts that come before. Uh, in the image of the goat with the horns, there's one horn that comes up in between the horns that is got a mouth and is very boastful. Well, this is representing a leader who's going to come and crush the Jewish people in such a dramatic way that it's worth highlighting now that it's it, it was a terrifying thing. It was like an end times experience for them. And the much anticipated end times is coming in chapter 12. So let's pick up our, our Bibles and have a look uh, a bit more clearly uh, at some of these things. Um, end times descriptions that we have here so in chapter 12 verse 1 we see that the words at that time are referenced in verse 1. At that time uh, we we, we think is possibly referencing the actual death of Antiochus who is the uh, real protagonist this real evil ruler who has been uh, really uh, oppressing God's people and putting up um, images in the temple etc. Uh, causing a great time of distress again in verse 1. And in this uh, great time of distress, the Israelites uh, oppose him and he quells their rebellions. All these things happen in history. Again, it's a really encouraging thing to know that God's prophecies actually did come true. Um, The phrase in verse 1 there that it hasn't happened, hasn't not been like this since, is hyperbolic language that's being used to really dramatize just how difficult the situation is. But as you go into verse 2 in chapter 12, you can see that there is this indication that there are going to be those who are going to be saved. That some to everlasting life is the phrase that we see in verse 2 there. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Now the idea here is that Daniel is drawing on the prophecies of another prophet again, Isaiah in chapter 52 verse 13 and following talks about the coming of a servant king who will actually come and restore the people of Israel. Now the really interesting insight here is that Daniel is uh, being given this same idea that there will be this day of redemption, this day where everything will be made right and that there will be justice for many. This is a phrase that Daniel has already used back in chapter 11, verse 33, that justice will be done. This is an exciting reality for us because as we live through difficult times, we can actually start to think about it within the framework of chapters 7 to 12 in Daniel. Now we might be looking at 7 to 12 as the confusing part of Daniel, but 7 to 12 is actually more relevant to us today than we even realize. Because just as Daniel was living through times where great powers came and went, you may not think about this much, but we have lived through times where great powers have come and gone. I mean, I'm a little bit older than some, not as old as others, but I lived at the end of one of the world's greatest empires as it was unraveling. The British Empire came to an end after the Second World War and unraveled uh, right through to the mid-70s, and that was a time of dramatic change and dramatic migration and flux. But that wasn't the only empire I've witnessed um, decline and be replaced, because after the British Empire fell, then the United States and the Soviet Union became the two superpowers that ruled the world. And that was the way my life was lived right through the seventies and eighties, right up until the end of the eighties. And I got an opportunity as many of you have to witness the fall of a great empire because the Soviet Union fell with the Berlin wall coming down and it created all sorts of chaos. Now, Interestingly, we're living through the consequences of the fall of that empire to this day. Uh, We see things like the rise of the Taliban. Uh, We see things like the rise of terrorism. We can see all the changes that are going on in our societies, the rise of China. All of these things can sometimes unsettle us because we think, as we read the newspaper, we read headlines like, this is unprecedented times. But as we read Daniel, we get a different perspective. See, the perspective is that great powers are always going to come and go. And when a great power goes and another replaces it, there'll be a time of instability. Uh, Oppression and fear is part of what all great powers bring. And in chapter 12, verse 4, our desire is the same as Daniel's desire. Well, when is God going to come and put all this to an end? Just like Daniel wanted to know when the exile was over, And when the times of the prophecies he'd had would come to an end. So we wonder, when will Jesus come back? Jesus promised that he would come back. When he left his followers, he said, I will return. And in chapter 12, verse 4, there's this idea of a seal and a scroll. Have a look if you've got your Bibles open to verse 4. But you, Daniel, roll up the seal of the words of the scroll until the end time. Many will go here and there to increase in knowledge. The idea of a scroll is something that's picked up in Revelation chapter 11 as well. You might know if you've read Revelation that when John is talking about the ultimate end of all oppression he picks up this language of a scroll and the idea in Revelation is who is worthy to open the scroll so that the end will come. Who is worthy to bring an end to injustice and death and oppression? Well the only one found in heaven in Revelation who is worthy to open that scroll that is described here in Daniel as well, is the son of man, Jesus himself. Now, in the, as, as um, Daniel goes in chapter 12 to the end, he talks about the fact that at the end of days, the servant will actually bring all things to an end. And I think in verse 13, you can see there in verse 13 that he talks about an inheritance. Basically the idea in Daniel and in Revelation is that ultimately Jesus will come back in the second coming and in the second coming, he'll come back to bring all things to an end. It's like history will be wrapped up like a cloak and will actually be gathered up to be with him. And all of those who have their faith in Jesus, they will be saved because Jesus himself is the only one who is worthy to open the scroll and the only one to bring an end. And as God says to Jesus, time is uh, God. The Father says to Jesus, now the time has come to bring history to an end. Jesus will come and he'll gather up his people and all of us who are found in Jesus will have our inheritance. And here is the relevance of the second part of Daniel. Our future is secure no matter what historical occurrences we live through happen. At the end of days, in chapter, Daniel, uh, chapter 12 of Daniel, in verses uh, 13, uh, even back again in Uh, earlier chapters we keep getting this reminder all the time to put our hope in God to put our faith in God and to trust in him and be faithful while we live through all sorts of times of trial because our hope is secure as I said earlier all the prophecies in this book the Bible that are prophesied they all come to pass and because they all come to pass we can know for sure that our inheritance is safe if we put our trust in Jesus and my question to all of us today is Have you trusted in Jesus and are you attempting to continue to walk in faithfulness every day and being patient for that time when the scroll will be opened and the end will ultimately come? No one knows the day or the hour but what we do know is that Jesus is worthy and if we put our trust in him we can be assured that he'll protect us in eternity too. So thank you for thinking about these things today but most of all please be conscious that as you watch the TV and you read the newspaper, you talk to people about the impacts of COVID and all the different uh, protests that are going on around the world. Just remember this simple thing. As Daniel had a very clear conscious decision to be committed to God and live faithfully to him, despite the consequences and despite the the situation that he was in, he knew and trusted that God would keep him safe in eternity no matter what happened. And that's what comes to bear. The same is true for us. That if we trust in Jesus, our future is brighter than our past. One way.
0: Thanks again for listening to the Soul Revival Church podcast. Just a reminder, if you want to watch any of these services that we hold live, You can go to soulrevivalchurch.com and you can see all the gatherings at the top of the page. You can choose anyone you wish. It can be on Friday, Saturday or Sunday. Thanks again and one way. Music is OK by Ixer.